Wild Enrichment is independently owned and claims no affiliation to any zoo, aquarium, or other animal care institutions. All of the information and opinions communicated through this podcast, wildenrichment.com, and affiliated social media accounts are based on my own opinions and experiences and are not in any way reflective of the opinions of my employers, past or present. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wild Enrichment Podcast, a podcast about zoos, aquariums, animal enrichment, and everything in between. I'm your host, Kyle Benton-Jones, zookeeper, animal lover, enrichment builder, and creator of wildenrichment.com. This is the Wild Enrichment Podcast. Enjoy. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wild Enrichment Podcast. Uh, My name's Kyle, and I'm going to be your host today. So, Uh, Today, uh, we're going to be talking about foraging time in zoos and aquariums. So we're really going to be focusing on why it's important and why you should be thinking about foraging time when designing an enrichment program. Uh, As with a lot of our uh, podcasts, uh, this podcast is based on an article uh, also called Foraging Time in Zoos and Aquariums. Uh, They generally contain more information uh, than what we're talking about in the podcast uh, with links and further reading and all that. So uh, if you're interested, uh, definitely check out Foraging Time in Zoos and Aquariums um, on wildenrichment.com in the blog section. Uh, So really when you start to break down uh, the day-to-day life of many species, um, it generally breaks down in a pursuit of kind of two main things, uh, the pursuit of a mate and the pursuit of resources, uh, which is generally food and water. Um, The definition of foraging is to obtain food and resources from a place, uh, and this is really the backbone about what we're going to be talking about in this article. Uh, So foraging time really occupies an immense portion of a wild animal's day. Uh, And some animals, uh, such as the mountain gorilla, uh, spend about half their day foraging for food and eating. Uh, To put that into perspective, the average American spends about 67 minutes consuming and preparing food a day. Uh, So it's significantly more important than it is to us uh, for a lot of species out there. Um, How an animal forages for for its food uh, varies by food item and species tremendously. Uh, So, but um, one thing that biologists have developed is optimum foraging theory uh, to kind of help them predict these metrics. Um, So optimum foraging theory, um, really the fundamental problem that every animal has to face while foraging um, is the energy spent getting the food versus the energy they get from the food item. Uh, So, for example, a cougar hunting in the wild uh, would have a much easier time catching a rabbit than an elk, but the elk would be, would, it would really cost significantly more energy to kill the elk, but it would also contain significantly more calories than the rabbit would. Um, And this is kind of what optimum foraging theory really boils down to. Um, It's just an equation uh, which has four main variables, uh, which are the energy contained in the prey, the handling time of the prey, the next most profitable item, and finally, uh, the search time for that prey. Um, I really encourage you to Google optimum foraging time. It's really easy to uh, visualize when you actually see um, a graph uh, of kind of what this equation looks like. 
So yeah, definitely Google it or uh, check out the article because I have a picture of the graph uh, in there. So uh, you're kind of wondering right now what this has to do uh, with capital captive animals. Uh, so kind of let's let's talk about that a little bit. Um, although there isn't really an optimum foraging theory equation for uh, specifically for captive animals yet, I think that looking at this theory re really demonstrates the importance of uh, foraging in wild animals. Uh, and if it's important to wild animals, then it's also important to wild animals in a zoo setting. Uh, in a zoo settings, we make a lot of day-to-day -day decisions for the animals that we work with. Uh, we put them in exhibits uh, that we design for them. We give them mates and group, group members that we think are the best for them. And we give them food that we think is nutritionally optimum for them. Uh, most of these decisions get made infrequently and they're hard to change. We can't easily redesign a new exhibit or get uh, kind of new exhibit mates for the animal. But the one of the easiest things that we can make decisions about daily is how we're actually feeding those animals that we're working with. So I believe foraging time should be talked about significantly more uh, with the in the animal care world uh, when we're looking at the total amount of, of time a given species is spent foraging uh, in captivity versus what they're spending foraging in the wild. So if those mountain gorillas uh, we mentioned earlier are spending around 12 hours foraging for food in the wild, but only about an hour in captivity, uh, you know, raising the amount of foraging time should be a major priority for the animal care staff. Uh, there are several easy ways uh, to uh, increase foraging time in captivity. Um, one is with food items and the other one is the use of contra freeloading. So let's uh, kind of start by looking at uh, food items. A uh, really interesting study uh, that's in the article here um, by White et al. Uh, they studied uh, grizzly bears in Glacier National Park in Montana and they found uh, at this specific time of year uh, their diet consisted almost entirely of moth larvae. Uh, so White and his team estimated that grizzly bears would have to eat around 40,000 larvae per day to meet their caloric requirements and would have to therefore be consuming over around 1,700 larvae an hour all day. So this study really goes to show you how much effort some animals will put into foraging and how foraging times can drastically vary uh, with particular food items. So it's not very realistic. Um, to really be hiding 40,000 larvae uh, in a grizzly bear exhibit every day. Uh, but util utilizing less calorically dense food items and scattering them around an exhibit is a great way to easily increase an animal's foraging time. Uh, so next thing we'll briefly talk about, because I have spoken about this time and time again, is contra freeloading. And if you don't know what contra freeloading is or you'd like to learn more about it, uh, I have a standalone podcast on contra freeloading uh, and also my modern guide to environmental enrichment in zoos and aquariums also goes uh, in depth into it there. Uh, this article uh, will also link to those articles respectively on my site. But really quickly, um, contra freeloading is a term for a type of behavior in which an organism, when given the choice between food that requires no effort to obtain and the food that does require effort to obtain, chooses the food that requires effort. Uh, so this is a phenomenon that appears to be true for most animals. Uh, so uh, it's something that I think is really important to 
include in the um, environmental enrichment programs of animals that you're working with. Uh, so it really goes, uh, when it comes down to it, uh, in environmental enrichment program, it's by minimizing the total amount of free food that is proposed, uh, that is provided for an animal and maximizing the total amount of food they have to work for. Uh, so really that is naturally increasing the total amount of time the animal is spending foraging. Um, contra free loading can be done with simple devices like placing the animal's diet inside of a cardboard box uh, or hanging the item from a zip line or uh, once the animal gets the hang of it, uh, you can really use uh, more complex methods uh, like different dig boxes, uh, hay feeders, uh, things that roll, stuff like that. Um, it can, it's not as hard as you think. These concepts can be applied to all animals from hoof stock and there's even examples of fish doing it. So with this, let's talk about some important metrics that you can track uh, to uh, sort of optimize the amount of foraging time that you're giving the animals in your care. Uh, really, this is the same as any sort of change in the animal's routine. It's worthwhile to track progress and record day-to-day -day findings. Uh, when the goal is to increase foraging time in an animal, there are several worthwhile metrics to track when doing this. Uh, the most important metric is foraging time, obviously. So, in order to track how much time an animal spends foraging for its diet, once given access to it, it is also useful to track the amount of time it was taking them to get their food uh, before you tried to increase foraging time. This kind of gives you a baseline to work with and to improve upon. Uh, so the uh, next uh, important metric is the amount of food the animal is getting for free. Uh, so this will give you a good idea as to where you're at in the contra-free learning process. Uh, and again, this would be useful to track before and after you begin uh, to increase uh, foraging time. So the last uh, couple important uh, metrics uh, that you're probably already recording is the type of enrichment. Um, tactile, olfactory, etc., uh, and the enrichment given to the animal that day, uh, as well as the enrichment effectiveness. Uh, so these are useful to know because you can easily see what enrichment types um, and items are giving the best increased foraging time, and from there you can kind of adjust your enrichment plan accordingly. And again, if you want to uh, check out the article on my website, I do have quite a few uh, daily foraging and contra freeloading tracker, daily enrichment tracker, and total enrichment program spreadsheet all on this post uh, in the bottom of the post, also on the resources section of my website. So definitely check that out if you want to uh, kind of start implementing and thinking about uh, foraging time uh, and tracking those metrics that we just talked about. Uh, so that's really uh, just about it for what I have to say about foraging time. Uh, this wasn't meant to be um, a super in-depth look because I feel like we've already looked uh, quite a bit at uh, kind of the benefits of uh, foraging time through contra freeloading and all that. But I really just wanted to start to talk about foraging time because I think it's it's an uh, important concept that a lot of people don't really think about when implementing an enrichment program. So at the end of the day, uh, using your natural history again, uh, as we've talked about previously, 
to kind of find out how much uh, the wild versions of the animals you're working with are spending foraging in a day and really trying to replicate that in captivity. You're probably never going to be able to 100% get to the same numbers they're getting into wild, but doing some more research to kind of find out and give you sort of a baseline and sort of uh, goals to uh, look at and to uh, eventually implement into your uh, enrichment program can be super helpful and super beneficial for the animal. Um, so just wanted to get everyone thinking about that and uh, definitely uh, do some research on optimum foraging theory. It'll really uh, get you kind of thinking in the right direction. Um, so uh, thanks a lot for listening. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, if you ever want to contact me, uh, you can go on wildenrichment.com. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram at wildenrichment. Uh, you can drop me a line there and I will get back to you as soon as I can. Uh, if you ever need help thinking about um, foraging time, contra freeloading, uh, anything like that, definitely reach out to me on any or all of those platforms. I'll get back to you. I love talking about enrichment and I'll be happy uh, to help in any way that I can. Uh, so thank you so much for listening. Until next time.